Oh, yes. Sunday morning. Back door cover. I'm Micah. That's Brad. Hey, Brad. Hey, hit the high point. Let's go. Mmm. What's Gucci, fam? It is Sunday, June 14th, 2020, the worst year of all time. Welcome to Backboard Cover. We've got a lot to talk about. But before we do, as always, a couple programming notes. Uh, call our hotline, 800-392-6344. Give us your takes, talk shit, whatever you want to do. Check out Mind of Micah, where Brad and I uh, already this morning discussed Top Chef. The finale is finally coming this week. So check it out. One other thing, Brad, I haven't asked you this. Tell me. Uh, are you interested in watching Long Gone Summer tonight, the documentary on the 1998 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa? I wasn't aware of it until I started uh, reading sports headlines this morning, but kind of it kind of interests me because the long ball was uh, my favorite era of baseball. So Lots of steroids. Yeah. I'm planning on watching tonight. Maybe we'll discuss this tomorrow. Heavy Andros. Wasn't it called Androstein? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. The good stuff. All right, that's it. Let's uh, let's get to today's backdoor cover. This should be uh, a quick one. Things are happening again, and uh, for that, I am excited. There was uh, cage fights on last night. There was NASCAR over the weekend. There's more NASCAR today. There is some other stuff happening. But the the biggest like actual sport thing is the return of golf. The Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial in Fort Worth. Oh yeah, we've got. A heck of a, a leaderboard right now with uh, Xander Shoffley at 13 under and then four other guys one stroke behind at yeah. 12 under, including Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, and uh, a couple other guys. Brad, you want to, you're, you're our golf expert. You previewed this on the Buttercut. Give uh-huh, us a little, uh-huh. uh, you know, obviously people are probably not listening to this on Sunday, or some of them are, so we won't spend too much time on it. Sure. But, Kind of tell us uh, your takeaways after watching the first three rounds and a quick pick who you think is going to win this thing today. So I took it going into it, Bryson DeChambeau, and he looks, speaking of the long ball, he looks like Mark McGuire at the moment. He's huge. It looks like he's been, yeah, everybody's he's been, on, he's been cycling. Yeah, he's like 240 pounds or something right now. Uh, and he is absolutely annihilating the golf ball. Uh, he's at 10 under, so he's a couple shots off, three shots off the lead. Um Justin Thomas is up there, and he's been playing as good as anybody. I would imagine he's probably the favorite. Him or Spieth. Spieth's been incredible this at this course. Every single time he's finished first and second twice. Uh, first Basically once. his home course. Yes, it's his home course. Um, the one other thing that was interesting and of note, because they can't have uh, people on the course, there are bars and like restaurants that that border the course, and they've built grandstands in the bars, and you can see like people sitting in like the stands eating and drinking and yelling at people. So there is some bit of a crowd aspect if if you've heard any cheering and stuff throughout the uh, broadcast. So that's pretty cool. Um, the last takeaway was that it was kind of a bloodbath at the bottom. A bunch of really good players missed a cut. Um, John Rahm, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, all sorts of guys, Sugar Shane Lowry. Um, so it was interesting. Webb Simpson, a lot of the top guys didn't quite make it. People were kind of rounding into form, so... It's not really that surprising, and it's hard to predict who's going to be good with as long of a break as they they have taken. But, um, yeah, the real story, I think, is probably Spieth. Uh, he's been really struggling for an extended period of time, and he looks kind of like the the player of old. So that's that's where I'm sitting. Have you watched any? Uh, no, but I'm planning to watch today. Yeah, it's good. So 
it's a really stacked leaderboard, and there's pr- probably like another five or six guys at ten under, and another guy at eleven under. So yeah, there's a, a lot bunch of guys, of guys within, right at it within shouting distance. Oh, you know what else we should do before we go any further? Okay. Uh, talking about shouting distance, let's go to the hotline. Oh yeah, eight hundred. 800-392-6344, 800-392-6344. Brad, play that hotline call for us. Micah, Bradley Key, this is Mike in Houston. Micah, I called you a cuck maybe 50, 60, 70 episodes <laughs> ago. I'd pay good money not to hear any, any more of your takes. If you had a Patreon of just Bradley Key, I'd pay for it. Whoa. There it is. Well, thank you. That's a hot take, I, You know, we're thinking about launching a Patreon during football season, but we hadn't thought about just Brad's takes. But maybe that's where the money really is. I think just this is my one fan. This is the only person on the planet who likes me over you. But I'll take well, it. Shouts to that guy. One I is bigger it. than none. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for the call. Micah, you're a cuck. Yeah, Mike. Mike, you're a cuck. No, uh, you, Micah, call, are a cuck. Just like the man whatever. said. Call the hotline, 800 392 Six three four four. Uh, give us your take or just hate on us. Whatever. It doesn't even matter. We'll play it at this point. We want your calls. Good call, Mike, from Houston. Uh, let's see. Before we get to... Let, let's talk about the MMA last night. Uh, there was a UFC fight night, which was on ESPN. I watched uh, Cynthia Calvillo, I believe is how you pronounce her name, uh, who's somebody I had never really heard of before, came in and just whipped Jessica I, who... <laughs> Uh, Jessica I was, uh, I believe, the number one contender at what? What are we? I, flyweight. I still don't know what the there's weight like thirty five weight classes in the UFC. Well, the women only have two or three. Oh, I think it's one twenty five, one thirty five, one forty five. Um, but yeah. Uh, Do you enjoy Jessica watching I was the, the women number fight? one contender? What's that? Do you enjoy watching the women fight? Out of curiosity. <laughs> Not, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Here's the issue, especially the the very small women, the the one twenty fives. I mm-hmm. believe that's what flyweight is. Um, these chicks are just too small to actually knock each other out, and they don't move at the same speed as the men one twenty fivers or okay. the one thirty fivers or whatever. So it's not as dynamic, and most of these fights just go the distance, and it's it's just they're too small. They they can't generate that much force. Um, and there's not a lot actually, of tap outs and wrestling moves and stuff. I mean, they they're just uh, yeah, they're so not enough action. But generally speaking, you don't. I mean, there's action, but they're more. They're just not your the when you eliminate the danger of an instant knockout, you eliminate a lot of the mm-hmm. the fun from the sport. I was just um, curious. I'm not saying one way or the other whether I like women fighting or not. I was just curious of what your take was. Yeah, I don't have any issue with with seeing women. I think I that doesn't. It's equally me. Uh, entertaining to me for the most part. Because the the fighting, like I don't get a ton of joy out of it, but it is action, it is activity, it's good competition. So, especially in a time when we're devoid of it, I I kind of enjoy it. Anyway, yeah, um, I agree. And then the the other thing to to talk about the women. I mean, you get a fighter like Amanda Nunes, or you get somebody like Ronda Rousey, who's just dynamic. I mean, yeah, Nunes yeah, has yeah, power yeah. and knocks people out. Like that makes her a special draw. But the, I mean, Jessica, I was the number one contender and, and just got out, just got whipped. Uh, the, the big story leading into the fight was I missed weight. She missed weight pretty badly, hmm. uh, apparently only by a quarter of a pound officially, but she apparently pulled the old hold the towel trick, which, you know, say shaved two pounds off of her weight. 
um, and she looked terrible. Like she couldn't walk. They had to. Uh, she was it's like, pulling I don't think the towel. You just don't drink any liquids, and you sweat everything out, and so she just no, no, drained. No, like you, she, she took off all of her clothes, and they hold a towel up. Oh, um, and then you can kind of get leverage if you yank at the towel from both sides. Your oh. weight distributes. It's it's a cheating thing, uh, but somehow she did it, and she still didn't make weight. Um, <laughs> and then she looked terrible. Like her, people were like, uh, she said, "I don't think I can stand." Uh, like her weight cut hurt her so bad. Um, so for whatever that's worth, and makes she, sense she why she whipped. got whipped. Yeah. Yeah. By whipped, uh, do you mean she got punched a lot, or did she like go to the ground? Like, how did she get dominated? Oh, uh, they it was mostly standing, and mm. Calvillo just whipped her. And then after the fight, Calvillo was like, "Yeah, it's pathetic. She can't make weight." And I saw her <laughs> cheat, and like it, it was so petty. I sent it to Dave Ruff this morning. It was excellent. Oh, I love the pettiness. Good drama. Uh, I've never heard of Cynthia Calvillo before, but she she's turned herself into a. She's a star skyrocketing up the point. leaderboard now. Yeah. The other thing interesting, these fights were at the UFC's Apex facility, which I think is like their training center. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They have a smaller octagon there, though. It's only 25 feet versus 30 feet at the other venues. Uh, Dana says it doesn't have an effect, but the beginning of Saturday's card set a record because it's the first card in UFC history in which each of the first three fights ended within a minute. Hmm. So uh, I think there's something to that. I like the smaller cage, uh, especially for, for chicks. Just well, the if we're getting people, knockouts and classes. tap outs within one minute, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm in. Um, so th- there you go. That was kind of the the big story last night. That was a bit of a surprise, although I think the betting odds had kind of were pretty pretty close to even. Um, but there you have. There's uh, some three first round knockouts in the UFC. Uh, let's talk. Do you want to talk baseball or basketball next? Let's start with baseball. All right. The headline today, players, uh, Major League Baseball players, reject the latest offer, and they ask the league to set a 2020 season schedule. The Players Association has asked MLB to schedule uh, to set a schedule for 2020 rather than counter the last return-to-play proposal. Uh, this sets the stage for Major League Baseball to implement a significantly shortened schedule, deepening the labor strife between the two parties. Uh, this th- doesn't seem like it's going to get fixed, does it? No, it seems like they're getting further apart. That's what it I think. It seemed for a while that we were, at least in my mind, that they were headed towards a scenario where they were going to play 80 games because one side won 92 games, one side won 70. And it's like it seemed like we were going to get to, they were going to meet at 80 and that the 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 teams only want to pay a percentage of the player's salary. They don't want to pay a full. They, right. want, they don't want to pay 100% of those 80 games. They just want to pay them like 70. Prorated. At a certain point, it was like 70% prorated. And to me, it seemed like we were going to get to 80% prorated 80 games. That seemed to be the middle. But apparently, we are not there at all. Uh, These guys are still going back and forth and not getting closer together. I'm curious. If this season just doesn't happen and people are on whatever 10-year contracts, I'm just thinking of like the max players, but... You're thinking about a ten-year contract where they're making thirty or forty million or whatever the number is per year. Does that just roll into the next year, or do they lose a year off of that contract for non-activity? I'm curious. I, I don't know, and I know that in the NBA, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. If they can't come to a deal, the NBA can use a force majeure clause, which basically just voids the entire CBA. Which wow. I don't know if that means everybody's contract is torn up, but. Like the rules, they can totally change the rules of engagement. 
if they don't come to a deal. And I don't know if that's the scenario in, in baseball or not. Baseball traditionally has the strongest union in sports uh, and some of the strongest in the whole country. Um, Commissioner Rob Manford told ESPN this week that unequivocally, unequivocally, we are going to play Major League Baseball this year, placing the chances at 100%. So Ooh, that's he, bold. he seems to make, make it happen. League's last proposal offered uh, 72 games at 70% of their pro-rated pay, uh, guaranteeing up to 83% following the completion of the postseason. That was the highest offered by Major League Baseball, but still fell ra- short of the rate players are seeking after losing salary. Um so that's kind of where we are. I, I'm starting to get concerned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing that happened yesterday is that the <clears throat> there was a report that the baseball had agreed to an extension of its national TV deal with Turner Sports that will bump avenue average revenue from 350 million to 500 million, and uh, they don't want to open their books, and so the. That like that to me seemed that the fact that that got leaked or released today was interesting to me um, or yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what what ends up happening there. All right. Uh, let's move on to hoops. I, I think, the, uh, by the way, if I had to make a prediction, I think they're going to find a way to play baseball. You do. But they so. got to they got to get moving. The last I heard, which was probably eight days ago, that. Everyone thought it was going to happen, but it needed to happen within 10 days or something for it to be a reasonable length of season. So, I mean, if at that math, there's two days left. So they're going to have to make some, some moves here, and I don't think that's going to happen in two days, but I guess they would just extend their expectations for, for how long it's going to take. Hopefully they come to, to some sort of agreement. Yeah. So moving to, to hoops uh, and a place where we seem like we were going to have basketball, and now we're in a bit of a limbo. We've taken perhaps a step back. Mm-hmm. The big story of late was Friday. Kyrie Irving had a call with about 100 players, including some stars and some WNBA players for whatever reason. Um, so they're inclusive, talking about how he doesn't want to play. He doesn't think they should play, but he also said that um, – the quote from Irving: "I don't support going to Orlando. I'm not with the system. I'm not with the systematic racism and bullshit." Um, huh? But it, apparently, he also said that if the players want to go, I'll be there and I'll support them. Uh, the new Dwight Howard put out a statement saying, "I agree with Kyrie. Basketball or entertainment, period, isn't needed at the moment. It will only be a distraction." Um, there is a little bit of blowback. Uh, blowback may not be the right word, but some dissenting opinions from other players, um, most notable Austin Rivers, who came out on Instagram and said that players earning their salaries would be able to financially aid the cause while continuing to devote time and energy to the movement. Uh, also, there would be a lot more publicity of the movement. Yeah, it would advance their platform you know, to speak, I think speak, there's a way right? to do this. Although then you, Lou Williams uh, expressed concern that fans watching games would distract from the movement and reduce participation in the protest. Um, you know, this is all based on Kyrie, who's injured, who can't go to the bubble anyway, uh, basically coming out and saying that he's willing to give it all up to try and, you know, solve this problem. Rivers responded with he was trying to find the correlation to Kyrie's uh, taking his ball home position, uh, punctuating that with a shrug emoji. Us coming back would put money in all of our pockets. 
Rivers continued, with this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give more, importantly, your time and energy towards the BLM movement, which I'm 100% on board with because change needs to happen and injustice has been going on too long. Rivers added that a lot of NBA players also needed those paychecks, noting uh, Irving had made more money than 99% of the league, which is also true. Yeah, the 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 comment about Charlie. <laughs> bad dog Charlie. The comment about the resumption of play taking away from protests is it leads you to assume that protests will still be going on as widespread as they are currently into you know September October. I wonder. That's it's a curious thing to think about. I hadn't thought of how long this might be going on, but yeah, that's this kind of something that just that kind of piqued my ears and it made me think a little bit about it. The other the other quote uh, from Rivers, he expressed concern about drastic financial implications of not resuming the season, including possibly even canceling next year. Quote, I love Kyrie's passion towards helping the movement. It's admirable and inspiring. I'm with it, but not at the cost of the whole NBA and players' careers. We can do both. We can play and we can help change the way black lives are lived. I think we have to. But canceling and boycotting a return doesn't do that, in my opinion. Guys want to play and provide help and change. Mm. Um, so it, we'll see. I, this is a bit surprising that this has gotten as much as it has. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, you know, I, I saw some people say, you know, you can't make fun of Kyrie because of the flat earth stuff, because, uh, you know, what he's saying has, is important. And that's true. Yeah. But I, I can still make fun of Kyrie. Like this, I just, I'm going to go off for a second. Please do. This is why conspiracy theorists are fucking trash. And, and don't deserve your time or your effort or to be taken seriously in any manner because flat earth, all the stuff about flat earth stuff is ha-ha funny, but it's two steps away from, from Holocaust denial and just absolute fucking trash. And when you traffic in this stuff, you, get, you lose your credibility. You lose your credibility. And so you, not to mention Kyrie is hurt, not to mention Kyrie destroys every team that he seems to be on. Every team and seems team much happier as soon as he leaves. I mean, I, I'm with I I'm with him, but I, I think that, you know, him standing up and I I think that you'll get some pushback from him. Yeah. And I the, think that the the thing that we haven't seen as much of and that we will see some additional pushback on are the rules and regulations that are required for these guys to be inside of the bubble and not leave and not see their families for seven mm-hmm. weeks. Um, and that is just starting to bubble up to the top as well. This is a, a totally different, like a Kyrie's thing is 100% based on uh, supporting the, the Black Lives Matter movement right. and not on working conditions, so to speak. Yeah, uh, so and when I we'll saw the headline... What like, that adds up to. When I saw the headline, it, I immediately jumped to where you're, where you're at with, oh, here's Kyrie with another whatever insane stance that he typically would take but listening to the message i i thought it was a good message i think that his uh, intentions are in a good place um but yeah he he does he has a very a lack of credibility is a pretty good way of putting it just because of his stances and and his his tendency to destroy locker rooms and teams and cultures of of teams so i don't know i'm it's it's a it's at least an interesting discussion topic and if it brings more you know differing perspectives and and thought to the whole black Lives matters movement then that's good that's the end end result and goal that we're trying to get to is discourse 
and sure. positive movement. And if the, his if this call, whether it affects the NBA or not, contributes to that movement, then the more power to him, and and I applaud him for it. But yeah, uh, he he does have a lack of credibility in my mind, typically. So I'm with I, you there. I mean, I'd I'd like if if this is the way that he feels that. I just think that the basketball players have their largest platform playing basketball. Right. And they're going to get more eyeballs. More people are going to watch NBA playoff games. You'll NBA have a larger platform to speak. Then they will if, if I mean, if Kyrie Irving goes to a, a parade and, and um, you know, leads a march, that, you know, he can reach a lot of people. But if he puts up 40 points and then, you know, gives a message and, there are or ways if, to do this. If there are gestures to lead into games, uh, to lead out of games, if there are certain things that mm-hmm. they do to honor the movement, that's definitely going to be more powerful and have more reach in terms of media coverage and uh, eyeballs I, I just and don't interest. think not playing is the answer. I may be wrong, and, but, and I've been wrong about these things before. So. It's also possible that this is just a, 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 I hate to call it a stunt, but a, just something, a, a mechanism for more conversation. And it's not necessarily just about canceling the season, but it's about saying, hey, we could cancel the season and and this is important enough to continue discourse and to continue looking at it. And just having it be another thing that that forwards the conversation. So if if that's the kind of the perspective and the strategy, because it sounds like he's ready to come off it. If the players want to play, he's still going to show up and play. Um, I think that's fair and a good strategy and something worth doing, but yeah, it's interesting. Nonetheless, um, God, I would hate to see the NBA season go away. Yeah. I that would, would be so I sad. Mean, I mean, I, and I just you know, don't believe that this is going to be a, a distraction from the movement. I, that's what I sort of fundamentally I agree to. I, I totally agree with that part point. So, and I, you know, I, ju- I just, and it's not just because I want to watch basketball. I just don't see that. I mean, if, if it's safety concerns, if Kyrie said, like, this isn't safe, this isn't fair, I don't – there's even people that are making the point that, like, having a uh, a league that's owned by almost all white people or, you know, and having black athletes, like, cocooned inside of a bubble, it sends a weird message and, like, we shouldn't do that. Like, there's an argument to be made on that. Um but saying that it's going to distract from the movement is just it it, does, it rings untrue to me. And I I mean I, you know, there's basketball players out there. Maya Moore is a woman who is a you know a, an all NBA all WNBA player who basically just quit playing, took a couple of years off to go like I forget if she was getting her law degree, but she was going to go work on injustices. That's what she did. Yeah. And nobody's saying Kyrie can't do that, um, but just deciding like because I want to m- make a you know, dedicate myself to this, the whole league shouldn't play is weird. It's a weird take. Uh, I'm sure he said in a powerful way and and it's with good intentions, but it's weird. The other thing uh, that didn't get mentioned in this article about Austin Rivers, but it was mentioned on his Instagram is that in the event, the players don't show up that the NBA can just use force majeure clauses to cancel the CBA. And that is not going to work out well for players. Not if they just rip it up, which they would have the right to. Uh, and then they the players could not come back until they came to an agreement that the owners wanted. Uh, this would be, like, I just there's just too much money on the line for this not to work and not to happen, uh, is my, my guess. And that's the way the world works. Um, but we'll see. It is interesting. It's worth note. Um, and, you know, again, maybe we're wrong and somebody sees it very differently. Call our hotline, 800 
392-6344-800-392-6344. That's it, Brad. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, that's pretty much it. We you, we briefly touched on the uh, the documentary, the baseball long ball documentary that's coming out tonight on our uh, on our other podcast, the uh, Top Chef one. Are you excited for that? Uh, I am McGuire, excited. Sammy Sosa. What time is that one at? Eight Central, nine Central. Eight o'clock Central. That should be good. I'll Mark be McGuire, watching. Andros Dean, Steroid Cycles. That should be good stuff. Yeah, so check it out. We might bring you a little recap here on Backdoor Cover and or Mind of Micah. I think it's been nice, and we've run them on both. So, uh, Can we play you out here? Yeah, hit the music. Call that hotline. Until next time. Mm, bye-bye. Thanks for listening.